Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Brad Hicks, and this is the Spooky SLV Podcast. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Spooky SLV Podcast. Um, We have got a little bit of a change of format tonight. Not much. I mean, it's still spooky stories, but what I've got is a friend of mine named Celia, who has given us an interview about one of the things that's happened to her when she was young. And um, that'll be our first story. And then after that, we've got um, one uh, tale of fiction by H.P. Lovecraft. And then uh, Celia actually uh, brought me a book called The San Luis Valley Storytellers by Priscilla Wolf and Stephen Robert Alexander. Uh, Priscilla Wolf. uh, lives in Albuquerque, but she's originally from Center, Colorado. So there might be some people out there who listen to this who might actually know her. And um, I'll be reading one of her stories, short tales out of that book. And uh, I will obviously give her full credit and uh, Mr. Alexander, both of them get full credit. I would love to meet Priscilla one of these days. Uh, I've read a couple of the stories out of the book and they're actually pretty cool. so as far as that goes, we'll get started with the interview and then we'll go on for the rest. So let's get going. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have a guest tonight. My friend Celia here is doing an interview with us so she can tell us stories. We're going to change the format up a little bit. So it's not just me talking this time. It's someone else. You might enjoy that a little bit more. So, Celia, how are you? I'm good, Brad. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, so you've got some stories for us. I do. I have a few stories to tell. Um, a few things that happened to me that were quite interesting um, growing up here in the Valley. <laughs> interesting in the Valley. That just doesn't go well together. But anyway. Right. Because that never happens here. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And then interesting in the Valley. Yeah. Doesn't happen. But interesting normally means either horrible something bad happened or it's just scary as shit one of the two (laughs) one of the two which is pretty normal to us actually (laughs) (laughs) so um where where did uh where did this take place your first story where did it take place at? so my first story took place um i was 16 years old and i was um living at my mom's house you know as most teenagers do um no i think actually i was a little bit younger than that i think i was 15 um, anyways, um, my mom, uh, the house that I grew up in was a house that my grandpa and my grandmother built, um, when they first moved to the valley here. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the time I was like seven or eight years old, um, I grew up in, I grew up in that house. Ow! <laughs> Cat jumped on my lap. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna pause it for a second. All right, go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. I got a, I got a, a pet on my yeah. lap now. Um, so when I was younger, um, I had been given this uh, necklace, or I guess I should say first where the house was. We didn't have any neighbors or anything, and it was kind of by, um, over by the 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 rodeo grounds there in Alamosa, right oh, okay. by for roofing yeah um it was before the the national guard armory was there and so um 
when I was younger, I had been given this necklace and I've always been into dragons. Yeah. And it was a claw necklace that had like a dragon holding a ball, a dragon's claw holding a ball. And I used to wear it all the time. And um, there used to be this store in Alamosa off of State Street. And it was like a Wiccan store. You could go and buy like tarot cards mm -hmm. and look at pendants and um, get books for, you know, witchcraft, stuff like that. And yeah. we were kids, you know, we used to like to go into <laughs> that store all the time. Yeah. Um, until I had gone into the store one time and I was looking at the stuff and um, I was looking at the crystals and the lady comes over and she tells me, she's like, let me see your necklace. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think anything of it. So I took my necklace off and I gave it to her. I was looking at the crystals and looking at the other stuff. And then she gave me the necklace back. I put it on, left the store. I think the friend that I was with bought some stuff and then we left and I came home that night. Um, and where my room was in the house, there was um, right outside my bedroom door, we had a fireplace mm -hmm. and it used to get really hot. And so I used to close my door to kind of keep the heat down a little bit. And so, um, but it, it still got pretty warm in there. And so one night I was younger, uh, I had gone to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and I just had this horrible, horrible feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, I got so scared. I actually went into my mom's room and I was like, can I sleep with you? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, um, I guess that's fine. Go ahead. And so I crawled in the bed with her and I was trying to go to sleep and I still had that uneasy feeling. Like yeah. it was just this, this dread, dreadful feeling. And like so something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like something was going to happen or someone was watching me or something. And my, and then my mom sat up and she goes, where did you go today? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you went somewhere today. Someone either touched you or you gave something of yours that you always wear away. She's like, what was it? And I had taken off my necklace um, because I didn't like to sleep with my necklaces on because they would get caught in my hair. Yeah. Um, and so I put it on my shelf in my room. Mm -hmm. And so um, I said, well, I just went into the store. I said, and I gave the lady my necklace and she got up and she walked into my room and she picked up the necklace. And at that time, when she walked into my room, it was so cold in my room. You could almost see your breath. And we had a flyer, a fire blazing. Yeah, I was gonna say, even with a fireplace sitting yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, and it was just super cold in there. Yeah. And my mom picked up my necklace and the necklace was freezing cold. And so she ended up, um, going through and like cleansing the house and everything and did her did her whole little ritual and everything <laughs> um but the next day you know it probably took us a couple of hours um until we were able to go back to sleep yeah um i can imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was just really strange and so then um the next day um i got up my mom got up and made her coffee and everything and i got up and went into the went into the kitchen and she told me i saw i saw the person you picked up and i said what do you mean yeah and she said that when she got up that morning when she walked into a kitchen 
there was a man standing in the kitchen and he basically kind of tipped his hat to her in thank you and left. That's, yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah. A little bit. And then my necklace broke. And so. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that could have been just coincidence, but I somehow don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, if it was coincidence, then that was. A really, a really weird coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strange coincidence. Um, and so, you know, of course I threw it away and I wasn't going to have anything to do with it, especially even after that. Yeah. And I wouldn't go into that store again either. No, no it's closed down ever since. Yeah. And I can't, you know, you were telling me about that, you know, a few weeks uh -huh. ago and I still don't remember that store. I remember a guy, some Chinese guy who had a store down on state street who had swords and knives and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But I don't remember the Wiccan store at all. Yeah. I mean, and it's surprisingly because, you know, I'm into the creepy shit. So right. you'd think I would know about it, but I don't remember that thing at all. Yeah. Of course I am old and feeble, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Memory's not what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Unfortunately. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you for the story. Thank you for that one. You're welcome. Um, Folks, that was Celia, and we will have her probably on more episodes with more stories. So thanks for listening. All right, folks, the second story tonight is The Other Gods by H.P. Lovecraft. Atop the tallest of Earth's peaks dwell the gods of Earth, and suffered not man to tell that he had looked upon them. Lesser peaks they once inhabited, but ever the men from the plains would scale the slopes of rock and snow, driving the gods to higher and higher mountains till now only the last remains. When they left their old peaks, they took with them all signs of themselves, save once it is said that they left a carven image on the face of the mountain which they called Negranic. Now they have betaken themselves to unknown Kadath in the cold wastes where no man treads, and are grown stern, having no higher peak where to flee of the coming of men. They are grown stern, where once they suffered men to displace them, they now forbid men to come, or coming to depart. It is well for men that they know not of Kadath in the cold wastes, else they would seek injudiciously to scale it. Sometimes when Earth's gods are homesick, they visit in the still of the night in the peaks where they once dwelt, and weep softly as they try to play in the olden way on remembered slopes. Men have felt the tears of the gods on white capped their eye, though they have thought it rain, and have heard the sighs of the gods in the plaintive drawn winds of Larian. In cloud ships, the gods are wont to travel, and wise cotters have legends that keep them from certain high peaks at night when it's cloudy, for the gods are not lenient as of old. In Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, once dwelt an old man avid to behold the gods of earth, a man deeply learned in the seven cryptical books of earth, and familiar with the panoptic manuscripts of distant and frozen Lomar. His name was Barzai the Wise, and villagers tell of how he went up a mountain on the night of the strange eclipse. Barzai knew so much of the gods that he could tell of their comings and goings, and guessed so many of their secrets as he deemed half a god himself. It was he who wisely advised the Burgesses of Ulthar when they passed their remarkable laws against the slaying of cats, and who first told the young priest Atal 
where it was that black cats go at midnight on St. John's Eve. Barzai was learned in the lore of the Earth's gods and had gained a desire to look upon their faces. He believed that this great secret knowledge of gods could shield him from their wrath, so resolved to go up to the summit of high and rocky Hathegkla on the night when he knew the gods would be there. Hathegkla is far in the stony desert beyond Hathig, for which it is named, and rises like a rock statue in a silent temple. Around its peaks the mists play always mournfully, for mists are the memories of the gods, and the gods loved Hathegkla when they dwelt upon it in the old days. Often the gods of earth visit Hathegkla and their ships of clouds, casting pale vapors over the slopes as they dance reminiscently on the summit under a clear moon. The villagers of Hathig said, It is ill to climb the Hathegkla at any time, and deadly to climb it by night when pale vapors hide the summit and the moon. But Barzai heeded them not when he came from neighboring Ulthar with the young priest Atal, who was his disciple. Atal was the only son of an innkeeper and was sometimes afraid. But Barzai's father had been a landgrave who dwelt in an ancient castle, so he had no common superstition in his blood and only laughed at the fearful cotters. Barzai and Atal went out of Hothigs into the stony desert despite the prayers of peasants and talked of earth's gods by their campfires at night. Many days they traveled, and from afar saw lofty Hathegkla, with its aureole of mournful mist. On the thirteenth day they reached the mountain's lonely base, and Atal spoke of his fears. But Barzai was old and learned, and had no was old and learned, and had no fears. So led the way up the slope that no man had scaled since the time of Sansu, who was written of with fright in the moldy, narcotic manuscripts. The way was rocky and made perilous by chasms, cliffs, and falling stones. Later it grew cold and snowy, and Barzai and Adolf and slipped and fell as they hewed and plodded upward with staves and axes. Finally the air grew thin and the sky changed color and the climbers found it hard to breathe. But still they toiled up and up, marveling at the strangeness of the scene and thrilling of the thought that would happen on the summit when the moon was out and the pale vapor spread around. For three days they climbed higher and higher toward the roof of the world when they camped to wait for the clouding of the moon. For four nights, no clouds came. And the moon shone down cold through the thin, mournful mist through the silent pinnacle. Then on the fifth night, which was the night of the full moon, Barzai saw some dense clouds far to the north, and stayed up with Adol to watch them draw near. Thick and majestic, they sailed slowly and de deliberately onward, ranging themselves around the peak high above the watchers and hiding the moon and the summit from view. For a long hour the watchers gazed, whilst the vapors swirled and the screens of clouds grew thicker and more restless. Barzai was wise in the lore of the Earth's god and listened for the certain sounds. But Athel felt the chill of the vapors and the awe of the night and feared much. But when Barzai began to climb higher and beckon eagerly, it was long before Athel would follow. So thick were the vapors that the way was hard, and though Adol followed at last, he could scarce see the gray shape of Barzai on the dim slope above in the clouded moonlight. Barzai forged very far ahead and seemed, despite his age, to climb more easily than Adol. Fearing not the steepness that had begun to grow great for the, any save a strong and dauntless man, nor pausing at wide black chasms that Adol would scarcely leap. And so they went up wildly over rocks and gulfs, slipping and stumbling, and sometimes awed at the vastness and horrible silence of bleak ice pinnacles and mute granite steeps. 
Very suddenly, Barzai went out of Adel's sight, scaling a hideous cliff that seemed to bulge outward and block the path for any climber not inspired of Earth's gods. Adel was far below and planning that what he should do when he reached the place, when curiosity he noticed that the light had grown strong, as if the cloudless peak and moonlight meeting place of the gods were very near. And as he scrambled on towards the bulging cliff and lit in sky, he felt fears more shocking than any, he'd know, any he had known before. Then through the high mist, he heard the voice of Barzai shouting wildly in delight. I have heard the gods, I have heard Earth's gods singing in revelry on Hathig Kla. The voices of the Earth guards are known to Barzai the prophet. The mists are thin and the moon is bright and I shall see the gods dancing wildly on Hathig Kla that they loved in youth. The wisdom of Barzai hath made him greater than Earth's gods and against his will their spells and barriers are as naught. Barzai will behold the gods, the proud gods, the secret gods, the gods of Earth who spurn the sight of man. Adel could not hear the voices of Barzai heard, but he was now close to the bulging cliff and scanning it for footholds when he heard Barzai's voice grow shriller and louder. The mist is very thin, and the moon casts shadows on the slope. The voices of the earth gods are high and wild. They fear the coming of Barzai the wise, who is greater than they. The moon's light flickers, as earth's gods dance against it. I see the dancing forms of the gods that leap and howl in the moonlight. The light is dimmer, and the gods are afraid. Whilst Barzai was uh, shouting these things, Atl felt a spectral change in all of the air as if the laws of earth were bowing to greater laws. For though the way was steeper than ever, the upward path was now grown fearsomely easy, and the bulging cliff proved scarce an obstacle when he reached it and slid perilously up its convex face. The light of the moon had strangely failed, and Adel plunged toward, plunged upward through the mist as he heard bars otherwise shrieking in the shadows. The moon is dark and the gods dance in the light. There is terror in the sky, for upon the moon hath sunk an eclipse foretold in no books of men or of earth's gods. There is unknown magic on Hathig Claw, for the screams of the frightened gods have turned to laughter, and the slopes of ice shoot up endlessly into the black heavens whither I am plunging. High, high, at last in the dim light I behold the gods of earth. And now Atl, slipping dizzily over the inconceivable steeps, heard in a dark and loathsome laughing, laughing mixed with such a cry as no man else ever heard, save in the Phlegethon of unrelatable nightmares, a cry wherein reverberated the horror and anguish of a haunted lifetime packed into one atrocious moment. The other gods, the other gods, the gods of outer hells that guard the feeble gods of earth, look away. Go back. Do not see. Do not see the vengeance of the infinite abyss, that cursed, that damnable pit. Merciless, merciful gods of earth, am I falling into the sky? And as Atl shut his eyes and stopped his ears, and tried to hump downward against the frightful pull of the unknown heights, there resounded on Hothig Claw that terrible peal of thunder which awakened the good cotters of the plains and the honest burgesses of Hothig, near in Uthar, and caused them to behold through the clouds that strange eclipse of the moon that no book ever predicted. And when the moon came out at last, Adel was safe on the lower snows of the mountain without sight of earth's gods or of the other gods. Now it is told in the moldy, narcotic manuscripts of Sansu, found naught but wordless ice and rock when he did climb Hothic Claw in the youth of the world. Yet when the men of Uthar and Nir and Hothic crushed their fears and scaled the haunted steep by day in search of Barzai the Wise, they found graven in the naked stone in the summit of curious and cyclopean symbol fifty cubits wide, as if the rocks had been riven by some titanic chisel. And the symbol was like to one that learned 
men have discerned in those frightful parts of the Nicotic manuscripts, which were too ancient to be read. This they found. Barzai the wise they never found, nor could the holy priest Adel ever be persuaded to pray for his soul's repose. Moreover, to this day the people of Ulthar, Nir, and Hothig fear eclipses, and pray by night when pale vapors hide the mountaintop and the moon. And above the mists of Hathegkla, Earth's gods sometimes dance reminiscently. For they now know they are safe, and love to come from unknown Kadath and ships of clouds and play in the olden way, as they did when Earth was new and men not given to the climbing of inaccessible places. Okay, that was an interesting one. Little hard to read. <laughs> But I like it. Again, I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft, so I, I'm going to read more of his stories. And I'm going to find a bunch more other fiction stories to read, too. Um, let's move on. Okay, the third and final story tonight is going to be from the book The San Luis Valley Storytellers by Priscilla Wolf and Stephen Robert Alexander. Now, as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, um, Priscilla Wolf is actually from the valley. She's from SLV. She is was, well, from Center. She lives in Albuquerque now. Um, at least I, I, from what I understood, she lived here for like 15 years. I don't know if it was the first 15 years of her life or she was a little older, moved in here, lived for 15 years, and then shot down to Albuquerque. have no idea. But if anybody knows her and they listen to this podcast, please let me know. I would love to get hold of her and make sure that I have, you know, good, solid permission to read from the book. I'm going to do it anyway, uh, just because I need some, uh, <laughs> I need some content here. But uh, let's get started. The Legend Story of the Buffalo Hunt by Priscilla Wolf. Many years ago in a small western village lived a man and his family. His name was Spirit, caretaker of the young and old. Every year the buffalo, bear, and the deer would come to the village with food. But this one particular fall came not as sight of even one of the animals was seen around the village. The winter came and still not one buffalo had been seen. Sitting around the fireplace, the family formed a circle in prayer. The elders asked, what shall we do? Will we go hungry with no food to be found? Spirit saw all the sad faces, and as he returned to his tent that night, his wife said, you must leave and find the buffalo and ask them to return. So Spirit went out into the dark night and headed to the mountains. Far away, the owl was hooting, a messenger of the night. Watch out for the night, watch out for the snow. Spirit continued to follow the footprints of the buffalo. As the snow began to fall, Spirit could no longer follow the trail of the buffaloes, and it was very cold. Looking around, he found a small area under a tall pine tree. He gathered some branches and made a cover for a bed for the night. He felt cold, hungry, and tired, but soon fell asleep. That night, Spirit had a dream. He saw many buffalo with him, and the buffalo Spirit was among the buffaloes. In the morning, <laughs> he woke up hungry. He had to move on, but the snowdrifts were much higher, making it difficult for him to walk. He could feel his hands and feet beginning to grow very cold, and soon they would freeze. Spirit searched for some place to rest and not far away. He had seen a deer spirit watching him. There among the rocks, he spotted a small cave, which had many small pines next to the entrance. 
so he gathered the pine needles for his bed and the branches for his covers. He noticed a small half-frozen bird while gathering branches, so he picked up the bird and placed it under his buffalo robe. I would rather die with a friend than die alone, Spirit mumbled to himself. And with that he rested on his bed of needles and pulled some branches over for him. That night, Spirit had another dream, in which he saw himself as the buffalo spirit, and he was guiding the buffaloes home. In the morning he woke up, he awoke up to the bright sunlight and he emerged from the cave and there he saw Bear Spirit watching him. Sitting on one of the tree branches of one tree was the little bird. This little bird began to stretch his wings and as he did he became bigger and bigger until he suddenly changed into a beautiful white eagle. The white eagle spoke to Spirit. For saving my life I will tell you about your dreams. The ones in which you saw Buffalo Spirit. It was really you leading the buffaloes back to your people. And now you must return to your family and people. The buffalo came home. And that's a good, nice little, you know, native story. And I like it. I love a lot of the native tales. A lot of the, uh, well, you know, native people around here have some amazing tales. I've talked to some uh, old timers one time when we were down in Taos that just had some amazing stories. And there was a few of them that had amazing uh drunk stories too <laughs> there were some funny guys and they're really good people but uh that's it thanks folks all right ladies and gentlemen that is it for me this evening i am very happy to have gotten on here and actually done this it's kind of a good like mellow stress reliever Although I get stressed when I read things out loud because I can't get it right on the first try. Mr. Perfectionist here. <laughs> that in itself, if you know me, is really funny. But um, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to, again, and I will do this probably on every single episode, give a shout out to Mr. Andres Herrera, who got me started on doing this. He is giving me the intro and outro music. He's an amazing musician. He's a good guy. He's funny kind of a pain in the ass but you know that's what happens with friends <laughs> he's going to shoot me for that one anyway um he has his own podcast he does decibels deep podcast it's all about music and music history and you should give it a listen you should subscribe to him here on spotify and you should follow him on um instagram he has two different um instagram uh pages he has the entropy and motion music page which is his music and collaborations and everything like that which he's got some good stuff on there really good stuff and i'm kind of biased because he's a good friend but he's got good music otherwise i wouldn't ask him you know play you know get me some music for the podcast and also he has a uh, page for his podcast the decibels deep podcast which you should subscribe to that show him some love you know tell him i sent you and he'll probably cuss you out for days you just never know <laughs> but anyway um Moving on from there, I want to remind everybody of the um, Spotify, um, what do I want to call it, support page. There it is. Good heavens, it's too late for this. It is a support page. It is where you can do a monthly support for me, anywhere from $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. You can do it monthly if you choose, or you can literally do it one time and then cancel. Any little bit helps me. You know, I'm unemployed. I'm doing this. I'm doing my art. I'm trying to get bills paid. I'm going to have to get a job soon. Kind of sucks. But anyway, 
you know, the support page would really help me out. It'll help me get better equipment. It'll help me do better here. It'll get me uh, an editing program, stuff like that. And um, it'll just help me all the way around just to know that I've got people who are following me, listening and helping to support me, showing me, showing me the love. Um, and I appreciate it. You know, every little bit helps. Hell, if you just share the podcast, that helps too. Because the more people who listen to the podcast, the more I earn from uh, um, ad revenues. And right now, the ads you hear are me putting up the ads, reading for Spotify or Anchor. I mean, excuse me. So anyway, I'm out tonight. We will see you later, folks. Have a good night.